Hey guys, before we get started with this week's cast, I wanted to uh, correct one major faux pas within the episode. Uh, in the section where Ian and I are discussing and giving our tribute to the comic creators that we lost in 2022, uh, I failed to mention one of the biggest losses, and that was the death of artist George Perez uh, and that was completely my fault it was in my area to mention and completely overlooked it um, as one of my favorite artists ever it was just totally a faux pas on my part and uh, not intentional at all so again hope you all enjoy uh, the rest of the show and uh, forgive me for that major mistake on my end. Uh, but with that being said, I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. It's time for the Comic Bing Comic Book Podcast. The podcast you look forward to for all of your news and reviews of the best comic books hitting stands. Whether it's DC, Batman, Marvel, Spider-Man, Image, Spawn, Saga, Boom, Once and Future, or whatever book or publisher you follow. We cover them all here. This is the place for you. That's right. It's for everyone. This is the Comic Bin Comic Book Podcast. Let's get it. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Comic Bin Comic Book Podcast. I am your host, Theo. Happy New Year to you. And as always, with a new year, it's a new season. So we were jumping into season three. And what better way to jump into season three than to bring along my good friend, Ian Miller, back to the cast. How you doing, Ian? Thanks for having me. So we are I'm doing pretty well. Great. So we are going to do something a little special. We're going to do a best of 2022. Ian and I are going to go through our top five books for the year and i don't know we may have some that uh uh, match up but we may have some that uh we may look at each other and think uh what is he talking about but you know that's the point of podcast we talk and have fun and just you know and if you, you you follow me and ian enough on on tvu you know we we constantly go at each other so be ready for a fun conversation but As always, we will do a quick bit of news. So uh, first up, I guess the biggest news over the past few weeks was the uh, recent bankruptcy filing of Aftershock Comics uh, for Chapter 11 protection. So uh, from the stories that I've read uh, from different avenues, uh, it seemed that they got into a lot of debt and and one of their debtors were looking to take over uh, and were in the process of asking the court to make that happen. But uh, to prevent that from happening, uh, Aftershock just basically jumped the gun and filed for bankruptcy protection so that they can get themselves back together, reorganize, and uh, pay down some of the debt that they have uh, under the court guidance of chapter 11 rules so we'll see how that plays out as the as the uh process goes through uh we know depending upon the size of these organizations it could 
take anywhere from a few weeks to a few months to, you know, a year, depending upon uh, how the things play out, plays out in the courts. Uh, so check back on that and hopefully we'll have more on that soon. So another strange story that I found, and Ian, I found this on your favorite site with Uncle Rich. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, it's got to go. Rick the Leech strikes again. We got to go to uh, Uncle Rich every once in a while. So apparently in Dollstown, Pennsylvania, Stephen Capaldi, uh, age 57, was arrested and charged with the murder of his wife, Elizabeth. And apparently it happened because his wife was not supporting his dream of opening up a comic book shop. And apparently he met a woman who he kind of fell for who would. Uh, so uh, he was arrested. He's awaiting trial. Uh, and the charges that have been filed against him is uh, third degree murder, possession of an instrument of a crime, tampering with evidence, obstruction of justice, and abuse of corpse. So apparently he uh, dismembered his wife and disposed of her in various locations. So that is, if I ever want to open a comic book shop, that is not the way I'm going to do it. So we'll see how that goes. That's just weird to say the least, wouldn't you say, Ian? This is giving me terrible flashbacks to the hammer Oh, I remember that. Oh, my God. Yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> People need to stop. Stop killing each other. <laughs> and so, finally, and this is kind of uh, funny. I saw this, this this morning again on Ian's favorite website with Uncle Rich and Bleeding Cool. Uh, so, apparently, so today is the day under law that the new members of Congress are sworn in. And apparently, uh, Representative Robert Garcia out of California, who is being sworn in for that congressional district, is getting sworn in or was sworn in on a comic book. Uh, according to this tweet from Matt Lassio, he was sworn in on a vintage copy of Superman number one. So if I ever get elected to Congress, I am going to find someone with a vintage copy of Detective number 27. And that will be the route that I go. If there was a book you could be sworn in on, uh, Ian, which one would it be? I mean, I'd still go with the Bible, but maybe I could go with the graphic Bible. Ah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much sticking to a Bible, too. But if by chance I had to do it on a comic book, of course, it would be Detective Comics number 27, if not Batman number one. That would be that would be pretty legit. I'm trying to think if there's a like a historical Batman book that I would really because all the stuff I'm thinking of is like a little new for me to really want to swear in on it. Yeah, because you jumped in later in, in, in the history yeah. of the of the character than I. I mean, I've read a fair amount of back stuff, but I don't know. Would Batman Year One be old enough to really have weight? <sighs> what was, 
I mean, that was... It was 86, Yeah, I think. that's... Going on 40 years now? No, 86 is 36. 86, wait, wait, 86, 96. I don't know. Yeah, you're right, because um, it's my 30th high school reunion this year. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I don't think I have enough old Batman stuff that I could probably pull out. Like I I, I could pull out my uh, first Batgirl appearance and. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. there we go. I would I would have to crack the. I would have to crack the case from CGC, but. Do uh, you have to? Maybe I don't. Yeah, just slap that sucker. Bam. Yeah. There we go. Put your hand on that plastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, no. Theo's not getting sworn in anytime soon. And he won't get Me sworn Me neither. I don't want to run for stuff. That's <laughs> terrible. He's not getting sworn in on a comic book. That is kind of crazy, though. It's amusing. Yeah, no. So that is going to do it for the news. Uh, but before we get into... Our, our review of our best of 2022. I wanted to do just a quick tribute. And before we started recording, you know, Ian and I were speaking about all of the creators that we lost uh, in this past year. And there were a lot, um, you know, more than what we expected, you know, when we pulled up the list that we were able to find. But Ian made a good point that, you know, a lot of these great comic book creators that we've we've all known are from that baby boom era. And so the fact that they're you know they're now leaving us uh is probably expected. But we also had a few that died quite young as well. But I just wanted to you know, give some a, a quick tribute to some of those that we lost. And again, the list that we had had upwards of almost a hundred people uh, from the comic book world who left us in 2022. Uh, but for me, you know, some of the, you know, the most important, at least for me, uh, of course, you know, you can't talk to me about, comics unless you're talking about Batman and of course when you th- talk about that you're thinking about someone like Neil Adams or a Tim Sell who both left us uh, Alan Grant who also passed but you know one of all... the really great writers of the 90s oh, he, and 90s he was and and for the longest I did not know he was not American I thought he was American but he's not he's a Scot yes he is and uh, you know you just look at him like, wow, uh, we lost guys like Gary Leach, you know, who made his name drawing for Drudge, Judge Dredd and Miracle Man. You know, we lost <clears throat> Kevin O'Neill, you know, who who really shot the fame when he drew uh, League of Extraordinary, Extraordinary Gentlemen with uh, Alan Moore. So, you know, just a ton of great comic book creators who have left us and uh, have moved on to the great beyond whichever you believe in uh, Ian, any any jump out of you that we 
loss in 2022? Yeah. Um, other than the ones we've already talked about, um, I'm a big Star Wars fan from the 90s. And so Tom Veach died this year, and he was actually on the older side. He was 80. Um, he's most famous for writing Dark Empire, uh, the com the first comic book that came out in the 90s. And I'm not that big a fan of it, but it had an enormous impact. It was incredibly well-received. People still love talking about it. Um, it introduced elements like Emperor Palpatine being resurrected. So those ideas are still floating around in the Disney Star Wars. And Tom Veach has been around for it all. He wrote a bunch of stuff for DC in the 90s, too. He wrote a question miniseries. And um, yeah, he definitely will be remembered. Um, he was a powerful creator, even if he wasn't, he was a controversial, but powerful creator. And then who can, who can forget, uh, Brian Augustin, you know, who, yeah. who brought us the first true Elseworld book with, uh, Gotham by Gaslight, you uh, know, yeah. mm -hmm. to see a different side of Bruce Wayne doing and, and Batman doing, Batman things in the time and an era that you wouldn't really expect it. And, you know, from there, Elseworlds just blew up with what it gave us and what it allowed creators to do because they didn't have to worry about sticking to continuity. And we can, we can thank someone like Brian Augustine for putting Gotham by Gaslight together and introducing us to the world of, of Elseworlds. That's such a rich idea to, to open up to creators. It is, it is. And you know, we, we, you, you, you don't, you don't hear DC mention the term Elseworlds much anymore, but you still see it, you know, you see it in, in I mean, all those multiverses are, fundamentally elseworlds yeah and you see it in books like deceased you see it in um dark knights dark knights of steel you know of yep. course ian is hating them both but well, you know, dc versus vampires and like all these things are yeah fundamentally elseworlds yeah and, and it just allows creators to do things that they wouldn't do in the pages of batman and detective comics and yep. oh just, and of course dark the the white knight, the whole, that whole white knight. That's definitely Elseworlds. And I'm happy you mentioned that, even though you hate it. I don't hate it. I just don't love it. <laughs> so, you know, 2022 was a rough year for us as, as lovers of comic books and all of the great creators that have left us. Uh, but uh, rest assured that the industry is still strong with the creators that are providing uh, some great material to us. And uh, we look forward to a great year of comics. But absolutely. Be yeah. But before we, we dive into what's really happening, because it's it's Tuesday night here. So. All of the books for the new year haven't been released yet. Although from some of the stories that I've seen, some shops have uh, slipped up and uh, have sold some January 1 books, or at least January 
three, three, yeah, three, January, three books, uh, a few days early, if not sooner. Uh, but before we jump into, before we get into 2023, Ian and I are going to count down our top five titles for 2022. And so we, in coming up with our list, we decided to make it wide open. We weren't just going to stick to floppies. And so it's opened up our top five comics, whether it's webtoons, whatever. And we'll probably have a little time after to uh, do some honorable mentions. But uh, I am going to let Ian, being the guest on the show, kick things off. All right, Ian. So again, we're going to go from our top five from the bottom to the top. And you get to kick things off with your number five book. Number five, I'm going to be saying... King Shark. So technically this is called Suicide Squad King Shark by Tim Seeley and Scott Collins. It was commissioned as part of a uh, promotional for the Suicide Squad movie by James Gunn. Um, And I think it is fantastic if you are a fan of the movie. Like the way King Shark was portrayed in the movie is the way they portrayed King Shark in this comic book. And it has that same uh, very polished but zany sense of humor and wild inventiveness so if you liked that movie and you like peacemaker suicide squad king shark is a really great trade to add to your collection so my number five and i'm not going to mention or comment on ian's uh number five because i have not enjoyed much of anything from Suicide Squad. And again, if you all follow Ian and I and Steph on the TBU podcast, you know, I kind of avoid anything that involves Harley Quinn. And He's not really in this one, though. I promise. She isn't? Uh-huh. No, it's just Suicide. It's, um, what's his name? King Shark and Defacer. Oh. Uh-huh. Okay. Even though it's supposed to be tied into the movie. That's weird. Okay. It's really mostly a Suicide Squad story. <laughs> I mean, shoot, King Shark story. Suicide Squad is just like the thing they use to get people to buy it. It's really just a King Shark character development world building tale. Uh, so it's almost like uh, Batman and Justice League Dark. Uh, which run of Justice League Dark? No, I'm talking about the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah he's he, there to sell it. He's, yeah, he's there to sell it. Okay, so... My number five book, and and I kind of cheated here because my number five kind of covers a bunch of series that came out um, in 2022. So in 2021, early 2021, J. Michael Straczynski over at AWA Studios and Upshot, indie comic publisher, came out with the resistance and the resistance was basically you can almost you can almost call it something like heroes you know people all of a sudden just generate special abilities but the way that it happened and it was really ironic because again it came out 
2020, 2021, and it was coming out at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. And the story is about people who get their powers as a result of this virus that basically started wiping out the entire world. I mean, there was, it was a hundred percent kill rate, no cure, no matter what they tried. And then for some reason, the virus just stopped working. It just stopped. It just stopped killing. It pretty much disappeared. But those who survived the virus, who hadn't succumbed to the virus's uh, kill, uh, survived and they came out with superpowers, all types of powers. And it basically became a story of how these individuals, and they were called reborns, uh, basically became the mutants of this universe. You know, well, the X-Men of this universe, you know, they were feared and hated by everyone else. And, uh, but from the resistance, you know, Straczynski came out with, Straczynski came out with uh, a few sequels to that. But then there were also a bunch of spinoffs uh, from not just Straczynski, but from other artists, sorry, from other writers and artists over at AWA. And it was just... It was just very intense and it was, again, the irony of it, that it came out during the time of the COVID pandemic, just kind of brought things home when you looked at just how people were reacting to this virus. I mean, and the, again, the kill rate was 100%. Once that first sign of infection it was basically you was isolated. You told your family goodbye. And after that, they were making arrangements for you. So, but just how he and the people over at AWA was able to create this universe of books centered around this and reading the books, although they all had a similar theme of these reborns who were feared and were being hunted. They weren't all dark books. There were some books that had a lighter tone to it, such as Recharge, which was about the teenager who uh, was a reborn and how he kind of fought against being his hero, but who eventually became one. So, yeah, I, I cheated a little bit. So there was about four or five books that all mesh together into this universe. But yeah, that's my number five. So everything out of the the resistance universe over at AWA. So is, the, yeah. is JMS writing like miniseries within this or is it an ongoing? No, it so one thing about the books at AWA, they and AWA is artist wait. Artist writers and artisans. It's how they do it. It's what it means. Right. But I know uh, Axel Alonso is the the guy yeah. who's in charge over there. Yeah, yeah. And, and I met him at Baltimore uh, Comic Con a few years ago. He's a great guy. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, I, he was. I, I tried to get him on the show once, but we just, you know, we just couldn't make things work. I got his call. I got a card to reach out to the PR team, but we just never were able to make it work. But yeah, but to answer your question, no, it's not an ongoing. So none of the books that AWA publish are ongoing. They are all five to six issue miniseries. And so, and one of the things I appreciate about what AWA does, especially once a series ends, is there's almost a very, there's almost a very quick turnaround before that series goes into trade. But their trades are so cheap. I mean, it's not like the, the quality of the paper is cheap or anything, but they're able to produce these, they're able to produce these trade paperbacks anywhere between $9.99 and $11.99. And so um, they do a great job of doing some really good stories over there. But no, no they don't do uh, full series runs. It's always five to six or maybe even four to six uh, issue series that they do each time. So Ian, what, 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 wait, you want to say something? Uh, no, I was just curious about the way that, cause I remember getting one of the issues of the resistance as a free comic book day thing. And I was curious how it went. It was, so I, I believe that was the very first that came out a few years ago. Again, right. Is that the one that had the cover of the world that kind of looked like it? Yep. Was, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That, was, that was number one, uh, of the resistance. Um, yeah. Oh no. The resistance the very first volume of the resistance was probably the best. And, um, I would say who, at least for me, my favorite, um, was my second favorite was probably this one that just recently ended called the Joneses. And what the Joneses was about was a family, um, who all had the virus and they all survived and so, of course, they all had different superpowers, but they tried to live a normal life. They didn't want people to know that they were reborns, of course, because they just saw that they were going to, you know, be persecuted. And, you know, they were, of course, just as there were good reborns, there were bad reborns. And so from a societal standpoint, if you're a reborn, you're just bad. It doesn't matter if you're trying to do good. And so they just basically tried to hide. Uh, but eventually the husband and the daughter started being superheroes. And crazy enough, their next door neighbors who were leaders of this neighborhood watch group, but this wasn't, a watch group for just any type of crime. This is a watch group to identify reborns. Well, apparently these, their neighbors were also reborns who were basically kind of trying to do the same thing. Uh, but they were bad guys. And ironically, they ended up being the villains that the husband and the daughter had been fighting all this time, uh, but it was all an elaborate pr- plot for 
the wife to try to take over the city as mayor and just it was just a crazy but it was fun because you you got you got a bit of everything so you had the the superhero notion of the joneses and the dillons who were the other families who uh, were the villains but you got a sense of them just trying to live a normal life as well and so in those four or five issues you got a little bit of everything so that one was probably my second favorite after the original resistance uh series i might have to lend you some of my digital copies so you can read it mm, very cool so ian what is your number four my number four, and the only reason it's so far down, is because I think the best part of this comic was actually in 2021, but I still think it ended strong, and that is The Joker by James Tynan IV. Uh, the last mainstream superhero comic we're going to see from James Tynan probably for at least five years. And what's, and, and what's the main reason why you loved The Joker? Because this book should be really called Jim Gordon, and Jim Gordon is my favorite. And I thought James Tynan did a fantastic job with him. Also, I mean, I loved Guillaume March on art, and he unfortunately left the book after about a year, but um, Giuseppe Camoncoli finished out the book. And of course, Camoncoli is one of the greats, so that wasn't a downgrade. No, it wasn't. And, you know, I have always been a fan of. Uh, Gilliam since his days on Sirens. Of course, of course, of course our friend Steph was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. But uh, I was not crazy. I, I have never been that much of a fan of the Joker. And I think, you know, just that one issue with all of the cannibalism, that was just like the icing on the cake for me even though that was towards the end of the series. That was a very memorable issue for sure. Although, although, uh, you can't not like a book that has Bane's daughter in it. Oh man, you gotta check out the Azrael story because Bane's daughter is awesome in it. They still draw it the same way? Oh yeah. Oh, I'm about to take a look. You get it in trade. Like it's all it's all out now. So wait till the trade comes out, get it, and I think you'll dig it. I'll think about it. I don't know. I promise that. you, Fade's daughter's great. I mean, now, now granted, you know, again, not a huge fan of the Joker, although I am of the three of us, and that's including Steph. Uh I am the only one that's reading Deadly Duo by Mark Silvestri, which is uh pretty weird considering it's full of jokers it does have gorgeous art though oh it is i mean that that's something that sylvester will never lose until he loses the use of his hands i mean do you think he's been actually drawing it this whole time because i know this project that deadly duo project has been in production it was for... announced years ago wasn't it I, yeah i, I want to say a long, long, long time ago i want to say wasn't it a, wasn't it announced like that the last san diego comic-con before for the pandemic? I'm, I don't remember, but it is it's, it's been one of those great white whale projects that's finally coming out. Yeah, I, I can't remember when it was I could have sworn it was announced first announced back then and and you just didn't hear anything about it anymore, and then all of a sudden, ta-da. 
pops up and solicits. I hope it's selling well. Yeah, I, I like I said, I bought so I didn't get um I didn't get number one from an LCS. I ended up so and you're gonna laugh at me when I say this, and our good friend Dustin may cuss me to high heaven. But oh, no. <laughs> Kelly Jones did a Kickstarter <laughs> <laughs> of the first issue. And so I ordered a copy of a signed first issue. Oh, did he do a promotional cover? I don't know if this was a promotional cover or if this was simply a cover that he wanted to do strictly on Kickstarter. Oh. But um, so I ordered that. And Dustin, if you're listening, please don't hold that against me. Because everyone knows that Dustin and I both hate Kelly Jones. But for some reason, I'm kind of a Kickstarter addict. So so in this case, you are the traitor. I, I am. It's not me reading Dark Crisis. It's no, you buying Kelly me. Jones. Yes, it's me buying Kelly Jones. <laughs> but again, it's one of those stories where, you know, that art kind of goes with the story. You know how we always talk about Raleigh Rothmo not being the right fit he, for everything? Fits. Honestly, I kind of wish they'd put him on the Joker title because I feel like he'd be a good fit for that. But Tim Drake is the wrong fit for him. Oh, most definitely. Tim Drake is also the wrong fit for Fifth Martin. Well, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> Tune in the TBU Comic Podcast for more on that. Yep, every time the issue comes out, we gotta deal with it. We gotta do. You all gotta deal with it because I'm not picking it up. Yeah, well, one of us does. We have to have someone covering it. Someone. It won't be Theo. All right. So my number four is Radiant Black from Kyle Higgins over at Image Comics. And who's on art? Uh, the artist the main artist is Marcelo Costa and I want to say he's I think he's Brazilian but this so there's several reasons why I'm enjoying this book so for those who aren't reading it and you need to read it uh I do like Kyle Higgins oh I really like Kyle Higgins I've been a fan of his a while I I know you kind of really started digging him when he was he did because he did a couple issues of Eternal, right? Uh, yeah, he was um one of the writers for Eternal, but I really like him with um Gates of Gotham and his New Fifty Two Nightwing. I thought those were both good series. I did not read his New Fifty Two Nightwing again. I I did as little New Fifty Two as I possibly could. It was Batman, and that was it. I mean, I didn't even pick up Tech in New Fifty Two. Well, Tech and New 52 kind of sucked for five years. Oh, so. yeah. And then, of course, um, I mean, do we consider Tomasi and Gleason's run on Batman and Robin New 52? Yeah, that's definitely New 52. Yeah. It was one of their flag flagship titles lasted. I mean, technically, if you count Robinson or Batman, it lasted the whole time. Uh, so, but Radiant Black, it's just, you know, about a kid. Well, not a kid. He's grown. Who comes into possession of this orb from outer space that gives him superpowers and he and his friend, oh, well, he dies. And then his friend gets the orb and, um, 
he now has the power and then come to find out he's not the only one with an orb. There's a bunch of other orbs that are out there in different colors. So these orbs are called radiance and uh, there are several that are out there, uh, yellow and pink and red and blue. Uh, but one of the reasons why I really was drawn into this is that what Kyle Higgins and his team is doing is basically growing a universe um, from several titles and they're calling it the massive universe. And so in this universe that they, they are introducing us to. So of course there's radiant bat black and those characters in that, in that series uh, there's rogue son, which I am particularly drawn to because, uh, and Rogue Sun is by Ryan Parrott. Uh, but I'm particularly drawn to that one because it's based in my hometown of New Orleans. So uh, it's always fun to sit and read something and just pick things apart. They're like, that's not New Orleans. That's not New Orleans. Okay, that's New Orleans. Uh, and so, you know, I, I met Ryan once and we, we spent a good time talking about what caused him to pick New Orleans as the location for Rogue Sun. And then uh, Infernal Girl Red, that hasn't released yet. It's already been solicited, but I think it comes out, if not later this month, next month. Um, but that one actually started as a Kickstarter that I missed out on and I've been kicking myself over it cause I missed it. But, um, Infernal Girl Red is written by Matt Groom. And then there is also the other one that is actually out on shelves, which is called the dead lucky. And that one is, that one is written by Melissa Flores, but Right now, the book, so they've already done one crossover with uh, Radiant Black, Rogue Sun, and Infernal Girl Red. But they're really doing these stories in their own universes. Now, Radiant Black and Rogue Sun are in the same universe. Infernal Girl Red is from a different dimension or a different universe. Um, and Dead Lucky is also in the same universe as Rogue Sun and Radiant Black, but they're doing these stories individually, and eventually they're going to start doing more crossovers. They've, like I said, they've only had one already, uh, which was Supermassive that had those three characters together. But I really like how they are putting the universe together and you know that they are tied together because every once in a while they'll mention an event that happened in Chicago, which is radiant black, or they'll mention something that happened in new Orleans, which is rogue sun. So they're slowly dropping the bits and pieces and these visions that show of a big threat coming. And I like how Kyle and the rest of the massive universe are building this story. And so I've been moving 
more and more into digital comics as of late, uh, mainly for space reasons. Uh, but the massive books are one of the few that I'm still collecting in floppies because I just want to be able to reach out and touch them when I need to as they continue to build this universe that they're creating. And so I think there are, I think they announced one other book. I can't remember the title that's going to be in the massive universe. So they're really building a really big story uh, with all of these titles that are coming out. But uh, Radiant Black had ooh, at least four reprints of the first issue. Uh, they came out with a glow in the dark issue cover issue once. Uh, so, oh man, I was excited that the whole thing was glow uh, in the dark. No, come on now. <laughs> That'd be so cool. <laughs> it would have been cool. Can you imagine trying to read that in the dark? Probably. Well, you'd have to evil. charge each page up. It'd be so annoying. I know. So, um, yeah, so that's my number four, Radiant Black. Ian? Ready for my number three? I think I am ready for your number three. All right. So there's actually only one true Batman title, although the Joker is in the Batman universe. Batman the Night by Chip Zdarsky and Carmine D. Giandomenico. You have to steal the sound clip from Steph for that. Carmine D. Giandomenico. As listeners to the pod, to the Batman Universe comic podcast know, my favorite Batman movie is Batman Begins. And this is a 10-issue miniseries that focuses on all the pre-Batman stuff from the time period of Batman Begins. I love the additions to lore that Zdarsky makes. They all fit perfectly. But I also love the classic stuff he does, uh, especially with Ra's al Ghul at the end. Um, it is intensely moving the way he dives into Bruce's character and makes him so lovable, but also so flawed and so broken. Um, I think that Zadarsky's grasp on Bruce is a really good one. And I, I think that this miniseries will, will definitely not replace Batman year one. I think Batman year one is just something that's massive, but I think this can sit next to Batman year one very comfortably. Uh, and the art by Carmine is just so energetic and so strong. It it moves along. It looks great, and the coloring is just so exciting. So I am going to withhold my comments on Batman tonight because this is not going to be the last time we talk about it. Are you mad at me for putting it third? <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm mad. <laughs> I'm probably, I'm probably, I'm probably more shocked. I mean, cause you know, we've, we've pimped that book really hard. Deservedly. We, yeah. we don't push things we don't believe in and we believed in it. Yeah. So I'm going to withhold the rest of my comments until a little later. Anything else on Batman Tonight from you, from you, Ian? I is it out in trade yet? I don't think it is. I, I, I hope they give this a deluxe. I hope this gets a lot of coverage because I think this is a story that will really suck people into Batman. It's a I great thought, entry point. I thought it was. I thought it was in this in the solicits for March. Well, it's solicited on Amazon for 
July. So July? I don't think it's going to be out in solicits yet. Well, unless they did it, unless they did it, an advanced solicit. I know some publishers right. do that. Image does it a lot. And then uh, I know Marvel does it a lot on their bigger trades and omnibuses. Yeah, but, you know, and we've mentioned this a few times, you know, that's one of the books where if you want to, if a person wants to know where to start things off, you give them that. You give them that in a trade and say, have at it. And I'm saying too much. So <laughs> Yeah, let's, let's save some for, <laughs> let's leave some of the tank. <laughs> All right, so... My number three, and and I'm just going to say ahead of time, I really went back and forth with my top three. And those that are in my top three could easily be number one. But number three for me, and Ian might drop when I say this, is Robin from... Joshua Williamson. Yes, we must clarify because this year there were two Robin titles. Technically three. We're talking about the blood air. Okay. And considering, and again, if you guys follow us, you know, we've we've been up and down on Joshua Williamson last year, especially for... It was a roller coaster. it It really was. Whether we're talking about Shadow War or that arc he did with Abyss, it was really up and down. But we all universally agreed that Robin was the high point for Williamson. And it just gave us a different side of Damien. And it allowed us to see some growth in the character that we really haven't seen in a long time, probably since Tomasi and Gleason's run on Batman and Robin. And it just, everyone knows Damien is my favorite Robin. I love the character at me if you want, cause it's not Tim Drake. Um, but uh, I, I have a different Robin. That's only uh, my favorite. Robin, uh, so. Yeah. You have a different, yeah. Yeah. We're not going to go there, but Williamson just did such a wonderful job of growing Damien, if not in age, in maturity. I mean, by the end of the series, he has a girlfriend. You know, who would have ever thought that they would see Damien Wayne settle with a girlfriend? And, and, you know, there were teases here and there in all the books. Although, in Batman and Robin, um, Maya was several years older than he was. You know, we got teases in Teen Titans with him and the 3,000-year-old genie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I was so random. It, it really was. But, I mean, Williamson did a natural growth into this thing between Damien and Flatline that really felt real. And not just with that relationship, but the relationship with him and his grandfather 
the relationship that he thought he was developing with his great grandmother before he realized how evil she really was. There was just a side of Damian Wayne that we who have followed him since his introduction from Grant Morrison uh, just would have never expected. And again, we just scratched our heads with how different things were, how different things were with all the stuff that Williamson was writing because he was not only doing Robin, he was doing, again, Batman, he was doing Shadow War, he was doing um, Deathstroke. So he was doing a lot of stuff and, you know, eventually he his stuff suffered, but we were all pleasantly happy that Robin didn't suffer. The worst thing that we got was when we got news that he was leaving the book, especially for what we got after. But again, for well, me, both of the things that replaced it have just been inferior. <laughs> it's how I feel about them. Um, but yeah, so, and, and again, the art was wonderful as well. And, you know, you can put, you know, there were some really top tier artists in the Batman universe uh, this past year. And Gleb Melenkoff was one of them. The work he did with Robin was just mwah, chef's kiss. Is Robin anywhere in your list or you want to comment on it now? No, Robin's not in my list. It was <gasps> on my honorable mentions. Oh, okay. um, but... It um, it was a really good title, and I just want to take a, a moment to pat myself on the back. Uh, for two years ago, uh, my co-hosts and all the Damien fans online were in despair, and I kept telling everyone, "Just wait, just wait. He will get a title. He will still be Robin, and it will be good. You just gotta hold on." And I was right, and we got a great title out of it. And then, as always. DC won't let us have nice things, and he ended it. Well, interestingly, Williamson has said that he always knew that what Wade was planning was coming, even before he started on the title. So that's interesting to know how far in advance a lot of this stuff has been planned. Don't care. Don't like the decision. I don't disagree. I, like I said, <laughs> both of the things, so Batman versus Robin and Tim Drake Robin, there's no way I'm buying these books. <laughs> So no, no. Although I did buy uh, Shadows of the Bat today. Well, yeah, but that was great. Of course it was. Oh, and I didn't. So I see they did a uh, a trade of uh, House of Gotham too. And no, I did not get that. No, we're not. There were some good <laughs> like middle issues when it was going through No Man's Land and Nightfall, but that ending just tanked it. <sighs> Even though the art was good, like I like Fernando Blanco. Ah, what is Fernando Blanco doing? He did such a good job on so many things. He he did a wonderful job on Catwoman. Yeah. What's he doing now? I don't know. Obviously uh, not Batman stuff. No. no I, thought, I thought he was DC exclusive. Yeah, I did too, because he he worked on so many titles for DC for so long. Right. Yeah. Maybe he was... he's going indie for a little bit. Maybe. Uh, he hopefully hopefully he doesn't jump ship like uh Capullo. Art uh, Gleason, man, Gleason went to Marvel and then he's completely disappeared. 
Let me tell you. So when when that happened, I just Marvel came comes out every year with their Stormbreaker artist series, and all of these artists are in this class of Stormbreakers. They're new to the game, and then they throw. This is not new. To the yeah, game. yeah, they throw Gleason, and I'm like, what are y'all talking about? Gleason's been doing comics for decades. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying anything about how. The quality of it because he definitely deserves it by quality, but like he is not a young gun. He's right. From my understanding, in. from how they announced that Stormbreakers were about to, were about was about the new. Here's the new class of Marvel artists that's gonna bam, you know, make the Marvel universe just stick out with their art. And I'm like, Patrick Gleason is not new. He's been doing comics. And he's not even doing anything right now. Ugh. Except a, a cover here and there. He's not even doing like Gleason's the type of guy you could get to do like a a month of cover variants and make everyone collect them all because they're so gorgeous. But yes. nope. Uh, uh, such a waste. We can't have nice things. All right, Ian. So we're now in the top two. What is your number two book of twenty twenty two? My number two is a webtoon, and this actually was one of the first webtoons I picked up when I first started. So I, I, did, I was a stranger to the world of webtoons. Well, okay. I read comics online. Like, you know, I did a little cholesterol content and Order of the Stick and XKCD, like the classic web comics. But I didn't really know about webtoons, like an app-based thing, until DC announced the Wayne Family Adventures. And when they did that, I was like, well, I'm going to figure out, I'm going to get a taste of what's going on. So when Wayne Family Adventure comes, I know what it's going to be doing. So the first thing I picked up was, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, I, I don't know. Level Up? What, what is it called? Steph reads it, although she doesn't. she doesn't admit she reads it. Let's Play, that's what it's called. It's called Let's Play, and it's a video game romance slice of life thing. Um, but the second comic that I remember picking up is called Marry Me, and that's a Japanese uh, webtoon about a civil servant uh, who works for the government who gets involved in a program to marry off the super, uh, the basically the incel population. They call them neets in Japan, not employed, educated, or in training. And so there's this girl who is living by herself because she used to live with her grandparents and then her grandparents died and she's massively depressed. And so she's considered an incel by the government and so she marries this guy and it's one of those arranged marriage situations full of tropes and romance situations, but it's just so cute and such a great look at Japanese culture and this relationship between these two people. And it ended this year, which is why I'm counting it as this year. Uh, and the ending is just so heartwarming. And it does have a live-action adaptation for TV, but I don't know where to find it anymore. Now, is this the same one that the um, Jennifer Lopez movie No, so on? that was also a webtoon, but that was actually from a decade ago. Oh, okay. So, yes, there are two Marry Me webtoons, and both of them have live-action productions, but they're completely different. The Marry Me that Jennifer Lopez was in was from a, at least 10 years ago, and it's very American. 
And this one's very Japanese. Gotcha. And I like both of them. I'm actually not against the other one at all. I'm just, it's not, definitely not this year. That was a long time ago. Gotcha. I am, I am still getting used to webtoons. And of course, you know, my, my first venture was with uh, Wayne Family Adventures. Oh, God. Wayne Family Adventures. Uh, but in scrolling to that, you know, the Webtoon app just throws everything up there, you know, for you to check out and read. You know, so I've been oh, yeah. scrolling to stuff, but I'm going to go and search for. Oh, there it is. Miku Yuki. How do you feel about uh, the Vixen series? I really like Vixen. I really yeah, like it's Vixen. Very, it's very sweet, and it's got like a nice adventure feel to it. Uh, the, the only reason why it's not number two for me, as far as the DC books that are out, is I really like what they're doing with Red Hood. And Yeah, that's a good comic. Yeah, and the Outlaws. And I like the fact that they brought back... Um, the Artemis, Artemis and, and, and Bizarro. Bizarro, so I mean, good. I was not crazy about the original Outlaw crew with uh, Starfire and Roy. And, yeah, Starfire and Roy. But that uh, trucker hat and that costume need to go. <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed um, Bizarro and Artemis and Jason together once uh, we got into Rebirth. I just can't. I, I just can't understand how Red Hood was so bad until Rebirth, and it's the same writer. Go figure. Sometimes people hit on a concept that they're really able to sink their teeth into, and then they lose it again. It's those first twenty-five issues of Red Hood and the Outlaws were something special, uh, and. I don't know what it was, but I wish DC would. I mean, they're trying it again in this webtoon. I think that's great. But honestly, I think it would be a good. Jason series. I don't understand why they keep putting him in other series like Task Force Z and the Joker season two. Oh, you in season two. Yeah. That's what people are telling me. I dipped out of that after the first issue. I will not be picking that up. I couldn't I couldn't pick up. Task Force Z. Once I saw they had Bloom in there, I'm like, yeah, I'm out. Oh, I like Bloom. He's a terrible guy. <laughs> He's a terrible character. Probably the worst thing that come out of uh, Snyder's run. And y'all know how I feel about that. No, the worst thing that came out of Snyder's run is Faceless Joker. That's just stupid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you and Steph don't like Faceless Joker. It's like Mr. Teeth for Steph. I hate it. <laughs> oh, I hated Mr. Teeth. That was the worst thing Tamaki ever did. Nah, Mr. Teeth was fine. Oh, no, he wasn't. That was just the uh, heebie-jeebies. Okay, for a uh, complete side trail, but do you share Steph's horror at Spine Riddler? No, I don't. That's just Steph. Spine Riddler's awesome. Yeah, it was. It scared the hell out of her, though. <laughs> That's the point. It's... He's on meth. Isn't it nice making fun of her and she's not here to defend herself? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So All right. What is your number two? My number two is Batman the Night. 
Ah, bumping up the ranking. Yeah. So again, Ian couldn't have said it any better. I mean, this we've gotten a lot of stuff in Batman history of what made Bruce Wayne the vigilante we know as Batman. What what made him, you know, the type of person that could withstand the pain that was inflicted on him how he come up with all of the tools and gadgets, how he was able to develop the skills that made him the greatest non-powered superhero ever. And we never really got the story behind that until we got this series from Chip Zdarsky. And who's the artist again, Ian? Carmine D. Giandomenico. Carmine D. Giandomenico. There we go. And what I particularly loved about it, and I've said it many of times, was that he was able to tell the story without tinkering with anything that we already knew as established Batman history. And you don't always get that when writers do new things that's supposed to be a part of continuity. You know, Scott Snyder will always say, well, my Batman is a continuity. I don't know. But you could give this book to someone and sit it next to year one and say, okay, before you get into year one as who Batman is, how Batman is, this will tell you how he got there and what made him, you know, jump into that sports car and put on that, that ski cap, that skull cap and what made him go out and fight Selena and get stabbed in the leg and get shot. And what made him ring the bell that allowed Alfred to come and patch him up. And it doesn't mess with any of it. And, you know, before Zdowski took over the main title, we were all just begging and just praying that he would tie in what he was doing with Batman Night into, into the main Batman book. And surprisingly, yes, it's happening. But not only that, but we're seeing it in other Bat books as well, particularly with Batman Inc. And Batman Inc. that is just some um, that's just some great writing from Chip Zdarsky. And, and I don't know how others will feel about it. I I have not seen a truly negative review of the series of the maxi series. But for me, this is one of those that can be remembered and that you could probably tie again, sit next to year one and say, if you want to know how Batman came to be, you have to read this. And that's just some, that was just some hellified writing from Sadowski and, and and I know when he when when he first did that story in black and white, we were all saying, Okay, yeah. I could see the Sadowski. poison ivy one? 
Was it the Poison Ivy one? I can't remember which one it was. Are you talking about the Urban Legends or Black and White? Black and White. Because the Black and White one was the Poison Ivy one, and that was surprisingly good. I was actually yes. really excited when I read that story. And and we all said, I could see Zadowski on Batman. Now, we were all thinking that it was like a foregone conclusion that it was going to be Tom Taylor, and that didn't happen. And I am happy that it didn't because I have just been loving what Chip has been doing. And it's just ironic that he's not only he's doing the dark characters, both at DC and at Marvel with writing, uh, Daredevil. As Red well. Batman. What you call him? Oh, Red Batman. Red Batman. <laughs> Red Batman is married now. So at least that's true. That was a wild man. D- that was D- DC. I, take, really cool. See, take note. Dark characters can be married and be happy. Mm. We gotta we gotta start tweeting at Ben Abernathy. Yeah. Make it happen. Didio's gone. He's not coming back. That's right. All right, Ian. So uh All right, have, number one. We have reached the top of the list of our titles for twenty twenty two. What is your number one book? If you had told me that this book would be anywhere on my top books at all not just number one but anywhere last year one year ago today january 3rd i would have been like you are a crazy person and i want some of the drugs you're smoking not that i actually do any drugs but you know the expression this book is the flash by jeremy adams and this is proof that you can do married superhero father superhero superhero kids in a book that touches serious silly heartfelt mature just all kinds of issues all corners of the universe all kinds of stories it's not just you know your classic superhero stories with wacky powers but it's also family drama and it's neighbor drama and it's civic responsibility drama it's jeremy adams is a wildly creative mind but he's also a man who thinks through a lot of things and puts them carefully into the book in a way that makes it seem effortless. He's not like, and here is the message. I'm going to hit you over the head with it. And Um, and for for those that aren't reading the flash, this is, this is Wally. This isn't Barry. Wally Wally West, West. his wife, Linda, his two kids, Jay and Ira. And they're amazing. Which, which is, which is great simply because for a lot of readers, today who grew up reading the flash wally west was their flash it wasn't barry allen that's not to take anything away from barry from barry but wally i mean even for me and i'm not a huge flash fan but even for me you know wally's the man and you know when they allowed him to come back doing rebirth i mean there were just a bunch of Wally fans just dancing on the ceiling in glee. Well, and here's the thing. I have no flash. I don't care if it's Jay, Barry, Wally, Wallace or Ace, Bart. I do not have a favorite flash. But this book is high quality and has won me over. 
So I'm I'm not coming to this with any kind of nostalgia or any kind of beef with Barry or beef with Jay. This book is just really well done. And I love I don't love all the artists. Fernando Pazaran is not my favorite artist, and he seems to be one of the main artists, but they got um Amon K. Noelpan for the Dark uh Crisis crossover, and that was fantastic. And they're getting Roger Cruz from Robin to do the forthcoming arc, uh, One Minute War. And they've had a bunch of other um Sergio Acuna did the annual and um I'm trying to remember there's a couple others, but this book just has great art and great writing and great concepts. Um, everyone should be picking it up. It's fantastic. And when did he come on to the title? Because I, I think it was right after uh, Future State. So, so March 2021. So because I have not read The Flash since Joshua Williamson, since Joshua Williamson got off the book. Uh, in Rebirth or after Rebirth. So it's been quite a while. So, but Ian has kind of been talking me into giving it another shot. So I may have to give it that shot. Give it that shot. Hey, at least it doesn't have Howard Porter on it. So, (laughs) oh man, I'm so disappointed that Howard Porter is doing the one bad day Bane because I'm really excited, but I'm also like, my eyes are going to be killing me after I read that. Just, Seeing all that, seeing that art in Shadow War was just—it was a disappointment. I mean, now, so I mean, you always get a book. You can always get a book that has some pretty bad art, but the writing is wonderful, or vice versa. But when you yep. get when you get a title where both are not high quality, and Shadow War was not. I mean, yeah, Shadow War was not high quality in neither art nor writing. It makes it a chore to get through. So I guess it's time for my number one. What's Theo's number one? What is Theo's number one? So over the past few years, I have slowly but surely begin reading more and more indie books and indie for me is anything outside of the big three and image is the third of the big three for me uh but for me my number one title that just recently came to an end a few months ago is once in future Ah. from Boom Studios. And it, oh my God, Once in Future is a perfect example of how a title that wasn't meant to be is meant to be. And again, Once Once in Future, Boom Studios, written by Karen Gillan with art by the great, wonderful Dan Mora. The man, the myth, and the legend. And, uh, yes. Come back to Batman, please. Come back to Batman. <laughs> yes. Please. <laughs> I want him back so bad. Me too. I'm... But he's going to Shazam next. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh, cool. But Once in Future was meant to be a six-issue mini that 
because of its success, because of how good it was, grew to 30 issues. And again, it just ended. And you would have never thought that Karen Gillan and Dan Moore, and they did every issue. It's, it's, and of course, there were a few hiatuses here and there. But like with Saga and Brian Vaughn and Fiona Staples, when you can get that creative team to do every issue from start to finish, it just makes it makes the pace and the story and the continuity just that much better. But you could not tell that Karen Gillen had to just throw this thing together once they announced that, yeah, this is not going to end up issue six. It's going to become an ongoing. And it went 30 issues. And it was just so wonderful how they were able to take this King Arthur story and turn it into everything else you got. Beowulf, you just got all of this medieval stuff in modern times. And a lot of it was gory. And, you know, you see Marilyn looking like something that you wouldn't want knocking at your door. But that story was just awesome. And again, unlike a book like Shadow War, you got a story that not only had some terrific writing but you had some wonderful art and i've said it many times just give dan moore all of the books every book that i'm reading he can draw and dc boom marvel whoever's doing it can take all my money i mean his his pencil work is just multiple chef kiss and you know the the worst thing about the story is that it ended. I need to catch up. That's part of the reason it's not on my list. Oh, yeah, you got. It. So I got, I got behind, just because again, this was before I started doing more digital, and so the floppy started building up, and I just got behind. And so as I started getting more into digital, I said, "Well, I need to catch up on Once in the Future," and so. um I have all of the issues. I have all of the floppies, but I started buying the volumes in digital so I can quickly catch up. And, oh, it's so good. And the ending is wonderful. And, and, and we always laugh at this, but again, just the greatness of Dan Moore. Dan Moore is the first artist to have the same character appear in two books for two different publishers. And you you will not get me to admit anything else. You will not change my mind on it. But that was Bridget. That was in that issue. What was that? The first issue of uh, Shadows where Steph no, goes. It was, and, pre, it was the, the prelude issue. It was the Shadows. prelude issues when, when Steph saved her from getting hit by the car. Yep. <laughs> So I mean, you could not tell me that that was I, the last issue that he illustrated too. Yeah, or detective. You could not tell me that that wasn't Bridget. Oh, it uh, definitely was. Bridget. It was Come definitely. On. It was definitely Bridget. <laughs> but that. And is, I looked at. It, I was like, Theo, Theo, look, it's Bridget. <laughs> that is my number 
one book for 2022. And again, I am so sad that it came to an end because despite the fact that it, it wasn't meant to be, it, it was, and it was just a great story that they would, that they were just able to put together. And I love the fact that it was the same creative team for all 30 issues. That's the way comic books should always be. And, you know, I was okay with the few hiatuses that it took because they were all planned. You knew ahead of time there was going to be a hiatus between, you know, April and, and, and August or June and August, but they were all planned. And, you know, for someone like me who got behind in comics, you know, it allowed me to catch up, but great writing, absolutely splendid art and colors from, uh, Dan Mora and, oh, who did the, who did the colors with that Bombillion? Who did the colors? I believe it was, um, but yes, I absolutely love it. I hate that it's over. Uh, but in, you know, on that last issue where, um, you know, Karen is giving his goodbyes, he kind of left the door open that we may see, we may see Bridget and Duncan and Rose again. So, uh, hopefully it happens. Uh, but that is my number one book for 2022. Once in future. Yeah. Uh, great choice. I just wish I was caught enough enough to have an opinion on where I would put it. Oh, you got to catch up. We'll, 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 we'll. I will. I we, will. We, we could do an episode on that one day. We had some good books this year. We really did. Did you have any honorable mentions that you could not, that you really wish you could have, that could have been in the top 10, but couldn't get into the top five? Yeah, I got a couple. Um, first one is Batman Catwoman. Um, Why? And <laughs> even if you don't really like the main story, and I will admit the main story isn't the best, the Batman Catwoman special that he did with Jean-Paul Leon, Mitch Gerrards, and Sean Crystal is transcendent. It is profoundly moving and puts it in, and that came out in January of this, uh, this last year. So I'm putting it in as just a phenomenal book uh, for that standalone issue by itself yeah that that could have been that could have been by itself that i mean that one was pretty much a sequel to the batman annual, annual. yeah yeah which is another one of my favorite books of all time yep um and the second uh, honorable mention for me is uh marco tamaki's detective comics shadows of the bat was a fantastic ride this year yeah, so the shadows is my honorable mention. Again, I loved and and I had the honor and pleasure of reviewing Detective throughout Rico. You mean the headache because it was weekly? Well, not just not just shadows, but the entirety of Tamaki's run and Tamaki's run on Detective made me a fan of Detective again. And I've said it many a times, and I think Shadows pretty much proved it that during that period, Detective Comics was the best was the best Batman book. I mean, the way she was able to develop all of those characters, it just seemed like she could do no wrong with how she was writing them. 
I mean, I would, I still want her to have a Huntress series. I mean, she presented a different side of Helena that we hadn't quite seen from other writers. And the way she, that first arc, The Neighborhood, when it was basically a Batman story starring Bruce Wayne. I mean, we barely saw the bat and the cow doing that first talk. I mean, she just had a, a wonderful grasp of each of the characters she was writing during that run. And like you said, the crescendo that is shadows of the bat. Yes. It was a headache writing it for a week, you know, reviewing it on a weekly basis. That was, that was kind of hell on earth, but the story that she told made it all worth it. And I absolutely loved it. And it was one of those things where the art was just phenomenal. And they had four different artists, uh, including Yvonne Reese. And it was, it was all just splendid. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I just picked up uh, a digital copy of the trade. And again, I have all the floppies, but I want to be able to just pull out the tablet and, you know, those are some of the panels that you can just make wallpapers with. They were so beautifully drawn, but yeah, definitely shadows of the bad. So those are our best books for 2022. Ian, what are you looking forward to in 2023? 2023, still looking forward to Zadarsky on Batman, which is nice. I like being able to be excited about the thing I have to read. Um, let's see, what else am I looking forward to continuing Flash? Oh, of course, Superman Lost by Priest and Pagulayan looks exciting. And actually, the Superman books are looking exciting. I don't, I'm hoping we get good Williamson on Superman. I'm hoping it's not Shadow War Williamson. I'm hoping this is Robin Williamson. Um, but Philip Kennedy Johnson, Dan Jurgens on action comics are going to be really exciting. So, yeah, a lot of good stuff at DC. Um, Marvel, I still don't have a hook. My favorite character in Marvel is Black Widow, and she's like not really in anything right now, so I'm not really reading any Marvel. Did Thompson's run in already? Yeah, it ended like in March. No, May. And even though it won in Eisner, they killed the series. I'm like, come on, guys. Anything else for 2023? Uh, any indie in stuff? That comics, you're... I think that's about it. You're not reading any indie stuff? You're just kind of sticking to the big No. I, I try and keep my reads relatively small so I can get excited about um, finding new titles. Like, I find if I read too many titles, I just start feeling like it's a slog. So Flash is going into One Minute War. How many issues is that supposed to be? That's supposed to be only a, a minute long. Six issues. So the next three months. Oh, right. Oh, Although it does have a bonus issue at the end of this month called the One Minute War Special. I'm going to have to pick that up. So is that... Although think... I don't understand. They've been going with this war zone. There should be One Minute War Zone. Come on, guys. Get it together, DC. So do you <laughs> think that is something that someone like me who hasn't read Flash in a while could just pick up and jump right into? Or do I need to read some other stuff first? I don't know. Um, I would think so, because Jeremy Adams is very much into 
making it accessible to people and he hasn't been too deep into the everything has to be this deep convoluted thing you have to read everything for um but i haven't read the first issue yet because it got delayed till next week ah uh, yeah i've seen some sites talking about it already but i didn't know it was pushed back until you told me earlier yeah so for, at least that's what league of comic geeks is telling me so for me for 2023 i i too am looking forward to priest on superman with superman lost um as you all know ian and i are both huge priest fans um so i am looking forward to that of course i am looking forward to the future of batman and of course issue 130 came out today um but i am looking forward to where chip zadowski takes us with bruce and uh, everything that happened with the fail-safe saga and things of that nature. And uh, let's see. I am, so the only book that I am really reading, I've picked up a few X-books probably because of the cover, uh, but I am still reading She-Hulk from uh, Rainbow Ryle. And it is starting to get a little bit more interesting. I know in a few episodes in the past and in an article, I've always talked about how I wasn't sure where she was bringing the character and what she wanted to do with the character. Um, it seems like we're starting to get that now. So I believe this is issue nine that just came out last week. Uh, but, you know, we now see we are now getting a story where Jen is really the focal point and we see where she is uh, taking the character, not just from the superhero standpoint of She-Hulk, but also from a personal uh, standpoint with her relationship with Jack of Hearts, which uh, ironically is connected to what's going on with the She-Hulk side with her and her new arch nemesis that are, uh, that have kidnapped her. I haven't read uh, issue number nine yet to see the aftermath of that, uh, but it is starting to get interesting with uh, my second favorite comic book character. I am also interested to see, you know, Ian mentioned um, Joshua Williamson on Superman and seeing what he is doing with the character. And I, 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 right now I am more interested in the art from Jamal Campbell. Uh, yes, that's going to be great. Yes, it will. But I am liking and hoping we get more Robin Superman and not uh shadow war or abyss uh, Batman from Joshua Williamson uh, in the pages of Superman. So I will, give it a shot just to see how it goes. And then uh, Ian will like this, not. I am uh, looking forward to the end of um, Dark, Knight, Dark Knights of Steel from Tom Taylor and as well as uh, Deceased, also from Tom Taylor. Although I have not been enjoying this run of deceased as I've had the others. 
and I don't know why just yet. I don't, I don't know. It just seems like he's trying to do too much, which really shouldn't be an issue with an Elseworlds type book. But I don't know. I'm not vibing it as I did the others, but he's still killing it on Nightwing for me. So I'll, I'll give him a pass on that. Um, but those are, those are kind of what I'm looking forward to. I mean, again, just looking at the solicit that we've, we've had thus far. And I just uh, recently looked through the previews catalog for the books coming out in March. Uh, Looks like we're going to have another good year of comics, you know, despite everything that's been going on, you know, comics have been rocking and rolling. You know, I saw a story where we've had a few comic book shops that have closed down and, and uh, gone away. So, you know, if you can continue to support those guys, you know, the comic industry is still strong and creators are doing a lot of great stuff. And, you know, you don't have to stick to the big two or the big three to get a lot of great writing. I mean, you can go just about anywhere now in the world of the internet and, find some great material. You know, Ian mentioned the world of webtoons and web comics. Again, I'm slowly starting to turn on to the to to that media. And then, you know, just the avenues to get other comic books, such as Substack. You know, Ian, I had I, I subscribed to James Tynan's for a while. I think Ian was following are you still following JT's? Substack. I mean, I technically am, but the free thing, and he doesn't do a lot for free, so not super much. Yeah, there's just a whole bunch of great stuff, you know, where you can find some good comics. Again, like I said, I'm almost an addict on Kickstarter and looking at a lot of the comics that are coming out there. Uh, again, Substack, and again, these are writers that you see in the pages of DC, and you can go to Substack and get a whole new world of, you know, comics that away. You know, Comixology have their original series that they're doing with, with writers such as Scott Snyder. Yes, the comic book industry is strong, and, and as long as we continue to support it, um, it's going to remain strong, and, and, and I'm going to be there for it. Anything else before we call it an evening, Ian? No, this has been great. Well, again, this won't be the last time you, you'll see or hear anything from Ian. Ian is probably going to be doing some reviews uh, for the site on The Flash and maybe even on Superman Lost once it releases, since uh, we're both getting huge Christopher Priest fans. He won the he won the yep. rock paper scissors contest to to do it. But uh, yeah, this is going to be a great year of comics. You know, I'm looking forward to a lot of stuff. And uh, Ian, thank you again. Interesting list that you've had. Got to go and pick up some more webtoons. I'm actually going to take a look at Marry Me. I was, I was on uh, Webtoons while you were talking about it, and uh, it's only about eight chapters, no, seven chapters. So, you know, it's not a long read. 
So you well, know. actually, I think those are just the free for free chapters. Oh, it is. Okay, well, got it. Uh, I'll leave that alone. But I'm I'm, I'm going to go ahead and 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 subscribe to that on the app and see what I can read about that. So, again, I've been slowly turning myself on to webtoons. I haven't truly gone the way of Steph and gotten to uh, manga, uh, but. You know, webtoons has been a good experience thus far for me. So yeah, things are looking good for comics. Enjoy it, folks. Ian, thanks again for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So that is going to do it for this week's episode of the Comic Band Comic Book Podcast. I want to thank my boy Ian once again for joining me and give me and giving us his breakdown of his top five books for 2022. Uh, next time, uh, this Friday, I'm heading to Fan Expo, the first Fan Expo, the first con of the year. Uh, and it's going to be in New Orleans. Fan Expo New Orleans is back for its second year since taking over from Weather World. And I will be there doing interviews and getting fan feedback and, uh, that will make up our uh, next episode of the cast. Uh, got a few interviews lined up with some comic creators, um, hoping to meet Jim Shooter and, and getting him on the show as well. Uh, but as always, I want to thank you all for your support of the show. I know it's been a lot of hiatuses here and there, uh, but there are a lot of things that's going to be happening in 2023. First and foremost, uh, the podcast is going to be moving to a new website. So um, that'll be coming out within the next uh, few weeks, hopefully, uh, no later than the month, as the redesign of the new website is done. But as always, uh, thank you for your support and thank you for all just tuning in. Uh, we got a lot of things planned for 2023 and moving forward. So uh, until next time, as always, keep reading those comics. <laughs>